and welcome to the week two edition of Spitball. I'm your host, Adri Ballhawk Mallows, and with me this week, as promised, is my usual co-host, Marcus Henson, who joins us via Skype all the way from sunny Plymouth. How are you, sir? Wet, because it's not sunny here. Number one straight away. Brilliant. You've got me on the phone. <laughs> and there it is. It's not this kind of conversation today. <laughs> That's for a different Skype session. Okay. It's raining here. That's better answer. It's raining. It's raining. Brilliant. This week, football fans, we also have a treat for you, as I'm not alone in the Bullhawks nest this evening. We have the Spartans' own Mike Austin, a.k.a. Sunshine! How are you, sir, and how does it feel to be making your spitball <laughs> debut? I'm good, thank you, and I'm very excited to be here. Brilliant. Forward to it. Excellent. We look forward to uh, all your comments, sir. If they're anything like your questions, we should be in for a treat. Before we start off, I actually have an apology to make to young Mickey Hogg, as I did not get round to answering his question last week, so apologies, Mr Hogg. The good news is, luckily, his question actually works in well as a good starting point for this week's show. With the third Manning Bowl now in the history books, who would you both say is the best slash most successful Manning brother, given that Eli has two Super Bowl victories and Peyton only has one? Sunshine! You can have the first crack at it. No pressure. You only have 60 seconds, though. Off you go. Well, it's clearly Peyton Manning is the best of the two brothers, regardless of how many Super Bowls he's won. He's an elite quarterback, one of the best of all time. Um, Care to oh. explain a bit more on that? Well, he has won four NFL MVPs in his career. Eli Manning has won no NFL MVPs. Okay. They've both had one Super Bowl MVP each. Manning's had the other Manning, that Eli's had two though. He's been oh, really? MVP in both Super Bowls. He's been in, That's yeah, because Brady didn't, didn't one bother showing one. up to either of those. I, I stopped watching the second one. Yeah, you know, fair it's, enough. It's a painful viewing for me. Perhaps, man. Whoops. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Peyton has a lot higher completion percentage across their career as well. Just been looking at the stats. Higher quarterback rating, just better in general. And the fact that I'm a Pats fan, I've had to watch Eli beat them twice in the Super Bowl. Whereas Peyton, you've got to beat up on every important championship game when you played for the Colts. Exactly. And Eli just rides his luck. Just little shovel passes for like two yards and then the receivers do all the work. And Bradshaw goes, okay, we'll score. (laughs) Nice. I I think I've made a point. Peyton's the best. Fair enough. And nicely on time there as well. So, uh, young Marcus, um, now that uh, Mike has given us his comments, would you care to take 60 seconds to counter that argument about the great and (laughs) ever-impressive Eli Manning? Yep, okay, here I go. So... Easy. It's as easy as one, two, two Super Bowl rings. It's pretty much. I know it seems weird. You can sit there, pass percentage, games played over the, the the fact that you've got two rings in your fingers, and that's what people go remember. Considering the fact that he's done this in New York, one of the hardest places to actually succeed in, because let's face it, any quarterback is under complete scrutiny when he's in either of the New York clubs. New Yorkers love victories; they hate losses. You can go from sinner to saint in a week just by turning around a W. It's as easy as that. And I think when you put it into it, the fact that, yes, he's probably not the most technical or, or the sort of like the sort of panache that goes into the quarterback role, that's, that's all patent. Yet the fact that he can turn around and 
the fourth quarter comebacks. I mean, he probably has one of the highest percentages of fourth quarter comebacks for me. And I'm running out of time now, but that's why I'm going to say zero. Brilliant. Yeah, I have to say um, this is where I have to come in as like an independent adjudicator and give my opinion on on who I think is the. There's two arguments. I'm going to say Peyton is the best quarterback, and Eli is the most successful. I have to go with Peyton because between him and Tom Brady, over the last 10, 15 years, they have been the two best quarterbacks in the league consistently. Um, But for Brady, Peyton would have won so many more Super Bowls. It's just unfortunate that every time he came to a championship game, it ended up being in Foxborough and Peyton Manning in the snow. They don't really go together. So it would be interesting to see how he gets on in Denver in the snow. I think he had to wear a glove last year, didn't he, when it got that cold. So um, He's a southern boy. This is true, yeah. Is it Tennessee? Something like that. Yeah, so... <clears throat> yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Tennessee. Nice work. Okay, so on we fly to the next segment. Tough game here, and here is RG3. He's going to run for the first down, and still on his feet. RG3 is going to outrace everybody. 76-yard touchdown run by RG3. Next up. I would like to talk about how 11 of this week's games were as close as a single score, six of which were separated by less than three points, including Chicago, Minnesota, Buffalo versus Carolina, and Kansas versus Dallas. Has the NFL become so close talent-wise, or was it just a scrappy week? Marcus, as this was your uh, comment to bring to the table, I'll let you have the first shot at it, and you've got more than a minute this time, you'll be pleased to know. <laughs> For me, I think it is. this is the pinnacle of what the NFL is trying to get. The NFL and the draft system and the idea that you know the worst team can become the best team, that is what they're trying to instill. So the fact is that you've got this perfectly pure plateau where it's brought down week in, week out, as to any given Sunday. I mean, we all know that, that sort of that analogy that you know, on any given Sunday, any team can win. And I like to think that actually that's what it's actually become at. You know, you've got all these kids coming through college, sports science is developing new ways for us to get faster, bigger, recover our bodies quicker. I honestly feel that we're getting to a point now that teams every Sunday are, are clashing heads at a closer level to each other. That it's, it's more enjoyable for the fans. You're getting nice close games out of it. You're getting bigger better touchdowns I honestly think it's, it's a nice progression and we're seeing now not like I don't know um, if anyone else out there is watching the college football this year but as, as you see all year in college football you watch teams from like the SEC or the ACC or the Pac-12 when they play each other nice close games lots of usually lots of points sort of 30 points apiece nice and close but then they'll go out and they'll play some poor school from either the you know Division Two, or they'll go and play someone like the Big Sky or Conference USA. Two things happen really: either there's that massive blowout, which no one really wants to see, it gets boring, or you have the the small guy beating the big guy, and it's you know a big celebration. Yeah, I was, that brings us nicely actually to um, obviously as we both watch our college football. Do you see much of the Alabama versus uh, Texas A&M match this weekend with uh, Johnny Football going up against AJ McCarron? I did. I did manage to get to see most of the first half. Unfortunately, it sort of drew on to the point where I didn't manage to get to see the second half. But I managed to watch it back and sort of absorb some of the play-by-play structure of the second half and to see how Manziel was able to come back to then. We're talking it was a good sort of 21 points nearly differential at half-time. We're sitting there going, this game has almost become one-sided. To bring it back in, 
to get it close down, and I think it was a score in the end, a single score, seven points, I think it was the difference, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It, uh, at the end of the third quarter, there was, as you say, there was 21 points in it. I know I think Alabama had sort of 42, 49 points by the end of the third quarter, and then Manziel brought it back to, I think, 49, 42 in the end, so... I missed the fourth quarter because I fell asleep and then I woke up in the morning, checked the score and it was a very much a WTF moment when I saw how much they'd come back in the fourth quarter. Showing his character though, Mr Manziel, despite the fact that he may or may not have taken money to sign autographs. So Unfortunately, that's the problem with uh, modern athletes as well. Is there's always the side of controversy. I mean, we go on each and every year about how um, there seems to be more and more offences of uh, illegal sort of business going on sort of around the NFL but I guess that, that's a talk for another day yeah absolutely just one thing quickly actually, as you mentioned Hitzer there's one thing I want to uh, mention ties in with one of the close games the Chargers game and luckily thank God Malcolm oh, Floyd came yeah. out of that collision okay because I don't did you see it Mike yeah it's just horrendous nothing the player any player could have done about it but as he was catching it he's got his head down to start running forward and someone just runs he goes into someone's chest head first and his neck just crunched backwards and I saw that and when I saw the compression I just thought of the coaching award and all the heads up clips you see and how that is exactly the type of hit as to why they encourage you to tackle heads up unfortunately Floyd was the receiver so he had no choice of what he was doing it was just a natural catching motion so um, thankfully after he'd been to hospital he got cleared and I understand he flew home with the team so that's that's good good news there Unfortunately, it was it was like that. Um, I'm sorry to go off topic really quickly. It was like um, Brennan Merriweather's and his hits to take out Eddie Lacy, uh, oh, and, then, yes. and then, took, then took out himself later on in the game. Yeah, I did see that. That was crazy. It, it, ju- it just instills the fact that you know we're in, in such a close league that um, you know, like I said, this this whole college prospects being pushed up through through the ranks which are faster, stronger and stuff like this, it still goes down to the elements that no matter how much talent you've got, playing correctly and safely still can account for. A correct tackle is still more impressive than that knockout, lights out hit. Oh, absolutely. If you tackle someone, wrap them up and stop them, because there's ways to have a great hit. Like there's, There was a few this week um, that I can think of but can't name, if that makes sense, where... Yeah. The linebackers have come in from behind the receiver as the receivers have turned to catch the ball, just basically taking them down with the ball behind the uh, first down marker, so they're stopping them from getting that extra yard just by tackling them straight away correctly around the waist and just bringing them to the ground and uh, wrapping them up properly. So, um, Mike, do you get to much watch much college football yourself? No, I haven't watched any so far this season, unfortunately. I think we're going to have to work on that, Marcus, aren't we? We have to get him round on a Saturday yeah, night to watch some of that, I think. Yeah. ESPN Saturday. Absolutely, all day, every Saturday, pretty much, isn't it? From about 3 or 5 o'clock, three o'clock onwards. onwards. Yeah, that's it. And if we're real lucky, we sometimes get the the college football live, which is like their all-day programme building up to the, the evening kickoff, basically. And, uh, on campus. Yeah, I had ESPN last season, so I used to watch some then, but it's, it's gone now. It's oh, yeah, it's a BT Sport, sport so yeah. yeah. Not paying for that. No, that's <laughs> fair enough. That's completely fair enough. It is a, a little bit extra, isn't it? So it's like fifteen quid through BT. But um, luckily, the other games are on Eurosport. But I understand that's about like five pound a month extra if you haven't got the full package already, isn't it? Yeah. Do you have that as well, or do you? No. no ah, okay. Just preview, and we paid extra for ESPN, and that's gone because I wanted Monday Night Football and college football. Ah, uh, right. Okay. Yeah. So well, you, you're more than welcome round the ball hawks nest anytime you want to watch college football. Awesome. 
providing it's not two o'clock in the morning and you're really drunk. Anyway, <laughs> let's get back on topic. So with one of the close games this week, we had Kansas beating Dallas. What do we make of Kansas? I'm going to throw this to you, Mike. What do you think of them so far, and could they possibly win the AFC West with how well they've started off the season? They're a completely different team this season, mostly due to Andy Reid being their coach, who I think is a good coach. He had a hard time at Philadelphia, but that's just how fans are when they don't get success. And do Alex you, Smith, at quarterback, is working wonders. Do you think Andy Reid kind of lucked out a little bit with who he inherited, or, or the talent he had at the time with Terrell Owens, people like that, they obviously quickly move on, and then he's left with an ageing quarterback in Vic, not much on that offensive line, would you think kind of led to his downfall at, at Philadelphia? It's kind of hard to tell because, I mean, I don't know what Vic was doing, but he's actually playing better this season than he was for a lot of last season already. Yeah. And it doesn't help that he spends 80% of his time concussed usually as well <laughs> in the season. That doesn't help, yeah. So it's, um, it says something if you have to wear Kevlar to dress up on Sunday yeah. on top of all of your pads, doesn't exactly. it really? But Alex Smith has been so impressive. And they've always had good players, but never as a squad been effective like they've had Tamba Harley for a while they've got people like Dwayne Bowe who's never really had anyone to throw to him absolutely so, yeah. yeah plus they've got um, I'm not sure how much he's featured but you've got Tony Mariecki the tight end yeah. there who's a really good receiver some of the catches he made in his first season very impressed with him there exactly. and they've so got um, it's not all on Jamal Charles anymore that's it and they've got a young defender I can't remember his first name but I know his last name is Poe got a couple of sacks this week oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, to be fair that defence is much much better I mean a lot of that is coming from Reed as well like you said the Reed as the head coach has been probably one of the best acquisitions they've taken. Yeah, and then him bringing in Alex Smith, Alex the Smith, game yeah. organiser, the game just basically, yeah. Alex Smith was good enough to still be at the 49ers. It's just bad luck that he was injured and then Kaepernick has just proven himself massively. Yeah, absolutely. But on the subject of Chiefs winning the AFC West, it's not going to happen because of the Broncos. Okay. You've got Peyton Manning and you've got like three top quality receivers for him to throw to, so... Yeah, one of which I see was in your NFL UK fantasy team, wasn't he, this week, Demarius Thomas? Yeah. Yeah, he was, yeah. Didn't work out so well. No, no, I had a horrible week in fantasy, we're not going to go there. So it could have been worse, though. You could have have had some uh, Patriots receivers in there, which would have been even worse, right? Well, yeah. Brady got ruined for me by then. (laughs) Marcus, you had quite the win over me this week. Uh, I could have done better. Oh, fantastic. Wow, cheers, mate. Yeah. (laughs) Know who your friends are on this show. Uh, going back to the, the Chiefs, and uh, I, I, I can't see them doing much better. I mean, the problem is with this, the AFC West, is you've got the Broncos are dominant, and then you've got the the other three. They're, they're doing well now at the moment at two and zero, but I don't see the future schedule really progressing them any further than about six wins. But that goes the same for the Chargers and the Raiders, who currently sit one and one. So therefore, I see a real fight out and. Whoever wants the wooden spoon there, I think it's going to come to like a single game, and the rest of them are going to be like you're talking four and twelve. One team will be five and eleven, the other one will be six and ten. That sort of thing. No, so even Philip Rivers seems to have found some magic. I don't know whether it's just the beginning of the season. I'm going to look great and then fall he's, away towards the end. He's a good end. quarterback, but he's really inconsistent. Like yeah. one week he'll have 300 yards and like three touchdowns, and the next week he's got 80 yards and two interceptions. So, so yeah, like this week he had a great week, didn't he? So. It yeah. depends also if the Chargers' defence turn up. They've got a good defence. They just, again, if you think of Chargers now, all you can think of is inconsistent. Exactly. Yeah, all the way back to when they had Ladanian Tomlinson. Uh, obviously, they've still got Antonio Gates, but they had yeah. uh, Phillips as a linebacker as well as, um, help me out here, Junior Seau as well they would have had at the time, wouldn't they? Back then, though, they used to play well in the regular season and then just fall apart in playoffs. 
Yeah. That's, that's what the Chargers used to be like famous for. Yeah, absolutely. They kind of yeah, Indianapolis kind of took over that role for them, though, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we we digress. So um, yeah, some interesting thoughts there on the AFC West, and uh, now we shall move swiftly on. What's up, big boy? Let's go! Nice job, way to get us over there, babe. Hey, uh, old school game. This is our game, right? This is our kind of game. Okay. So with the close games looked at, Sunshine. what game was your upset of the week? Torn between two, um, Miami and at Indianapolis. You would never have seen that result coming. No, not but, in that um, dome. God no. And as Marcus pointed out with the close game thing, the draft system, that is what has worked for Miami. Yeah. They've just drafted some players to accompany their already incredible players. Yeah, and Tannehill on is, defense, I think. Tannehill's being impressive as well. Th- would that so, be mm, Tannehill, Marcus's favourite? <laughs> <laughs> and also, it's, Tannehill. it's not so much an upset, but just the scoreline, Seahawks 49ers. Yeah. That is devastating for San Francisco. Yeah, and poor old Wolfie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know, I've already sent him a text saying that it was embarrassing. Yeah, definitely. But the Seahawks just crushed them, like... Again, surprised to see that score. 49ers looked awful. Everything that they got done was Kaepernick. I yeah, think he and even counted he for like 80% of their yards or something. And just he himself. threw three interceptions. Know, so I think but probably pressure and everything else. Yeah. That Seahawks defence is really good. We know that. And in uh, in Seattle as well, it was always going to be a tough game. Because those yeah, fans it's are the incredible. Biggest home, it's the biggest home field advantage in the league, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. Maybe after Denver. but yeah. There's just something about the, the way that it's kind of... It's it's open air, but it's kind of close and, it, and slightly enclosed, isn't it? In yeah. Seattle, it's a lot closer, I think, than perhaps maybe some of the other stadiums. It makes for a great atmosphere. It's, it's the loudest stadium in the league. There's yeah. more false starts there than anywhere else. Oh so. wow, good stat to know. Yeah. He's he's handy to have on the show. Um, Marcus, how about yourself for upset? You know what? I actually picked the 49 Seahawks again. Yeah. You looked at everything. I mean, KC over Dallas. That was like a, a sort of again eye opener. And again, I think, like you said, the fact that Indianapolis got beat at home. I mean, especially since Luck's been there, it's kind of been like a little fortress. Yeah. But for me, the fact that San Francisco came in were held to three points with the Kaepernick offence. I mean, the guy had fumble, like you said, three interceptions. They really learned how to shut him down. The offensive line got no push. There was no run game. And the defence really couldn't account for all the weapons. Uh, Marshawn Lynch, well, not over 100 total yards, but nearly 100 just in, on the ground. I think it was 98 in the end with two touchdowns. Actually left people like Wilson to really have quite a quiet game, about 180 yards and a touchdown. Because that's all he had to do was all he had to do was run his little his clock game and he... sort of conserve, the, to conserve the ball. But it was really the way they devastated. Take Kaepernick out the fold. There's not really much holding that team up. Like you've got a premier running back in Frank Gore, and they held him to like under sixty yards or something. I can't remember what his stats were, but that just the but there was no push up the offensive line. I was going to ask. I know, I know. Second rate. I was going to ask what you thought the reason for this because Frank Gore over the last probably year and a bit, he's he's not been as elite as he could have been. I don't think. I don't think he's got as many yards as he should have done. Now is that down to the line? Is it down to Kaepernick taking charge of the ball more, or, or what do we think as to? What might be affecting Gore's production? Last season, it was Kaepernick stepping up, and they protected Gore a lot last season. They they barely had him on the field. Like they used Kendall Hunter quite a lot, which is why I drafted him. Ah, uh, right. Dropped him. Yeah, but, yeah. It's Kaepernick, I think. Marcus, I think it's Kaepernick, and it's a mixture of Frank Gore, of course, getting injured. Um, he's got that sort of problematic sort of, you know, can we trust that he'll stay healthy for the entire year? But I do think um, with Kaepernick coming in, 
the offensive line isn't as strong. I think last year was a better offensive line. They've, they've lost a couple of holes. And especially when you've got blocking, like, I don't know if anyone saw, the, the fullback managed to uh, hold in the end zone for a penalty for a safety yep. um, as well. You really, you know, these are fundament, uh, fundamental sort of go- like processes, guys. The idea of that pushing forward when you're inside your end zone, not being able to get yourself turned and having to hold. I mean, it wasn't a hold. It was a tackle more. It was yeah. terrible. Okay, well, my upset, and it's uncanny how this has worked out, and I promise it's not pre-planned, because I had three games picked for my upset. One was the Miami uh, over Indianapolis, which you've already mentioned. The other was Kansas against Dallas. <laughs> and do we know where this is heading? Let me guess, Seahawks known as. Uh, no, actually. Oh. Marcus, help him out. Uh, is it going to be the one point with your bills? There you go. <laughs> See, that wasn't planned. I put three games down and wanted to go with whatever you guys didn't mention. So, come on, help me out here. Give me give me a little bit about how you thought the Bills did this week. Yeah, I, I am actually seeing them actually progress. I, I think uh, Manuel has been probably the best fit for you guys in a long time. Mm. I mean, I don't know if it was an upset because the Pampers, to be fair, aren't exactly on fire. But I still think that that Pampers defence is incredibly impressive. Um, Cam Newton, you know, didn't have a bad game, didn't have a great game, uh, but the the Bills' defense, my word, the way they stepped up and managed to hold on important third downs, I was that I was impressed with. I think the defense has just been phenomenal. The way that that's been stepped up. Yeah, we've got a real find actually in Kiko Alonso. Oh, yeah, he's score there. Yeah, yeah, just been phenomenal, I think. And um, CSC <laughs> is playing well. Yeah, against absolutely. the Patriots, he was a nightmare. Oh yeah, absolutely. He was yeah. everywhere, wasn't he? Yeah. He was bird-like, effectively. He was he was what he needed to be. He needed yeah, exactly. to be the bird man, and he, he stepped up to that. But I will leave that there for the for the listeners, because I'm sure they don't want to hear me waffle on about the Bills. So now we've covered some upsets. Let's move on to our weekly awards. So Mike, as you're familiar with these from listening to the podcast, and Marcus, obviously you know the the drill here. We need to go through our offensive and defensive impact players. But to uh, to find out my uh, offensive and defensive impact players, then uh, please check out the edition of the Lowdown on our Bullhawks Nest website at www.bullhawksnest.weebly.com. Sunshine. You can get a feel for how this normally goes. Marcus, Mr. Yep. Please take the reins first and give us your <laughs> offensive impact player award. Alright, I'll start with my runner-up this week. And it's actually going to go to Martellus Bennett's Chicago tight end. Yeah, great game. Absolutely. I mean, when I was looking around the league and looking at all the stats and uh, sort of the, the impact people were having on games, he didn't have the most yards in the games. Yes, he had the most touchdowns. But what I really saw from him was helping out in critical situations when Cutler needed him. Those third downs, those those fighting for the extra yards, everything about what he was doing. I mean, he did actually wrap up, uh, what have I got here? He got 76 yards and two touchdowns on the day. And wasn't one of those to touchdowns that. the uh, the game winner as well? It w- certainly was. So that's what I, that's what gave me the run up for him. I mean, there was the reason you'll see why he didn't win because I think the winner really stepped up this week. But I feel that why 
Um, Dallas ever let him go, I'm not sure. I mean, he had that season last year, didn't he? With um, did he get picked up by the Giants for a season last year as well, wasn't he? He did, yeah. He was at, he was definitely at the Giants last year because I had him in my fantasy team last year and um, kind of snuck him in there this year. Even though I think I may have traded him out in favour of a linebacker this week, but um, wish I would have actually played him because he had a much better game than uh, Tony Gonzalez. I just, I just feel that, especially in the system that Chicago have got, when they're looking for the deep um, deep ball. Marshall, and then they're looking for underneath stuff to be sort of predominantly Bennett or Forte out the backfield. Okay. So I think he works really well, and he creates a real impact. Before you give us your winner, actually, we're going to mix it up slightly. And uh, can I have your runner-up, please? Yeah, um, Aaron Rodgers. Runner-up, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Wow, that's a bold statement. Yeah, uh, could be biased due to my position, but we'll get to that in a bit. But yeah, four hundred eighty yards, four touchdowns. His quarterback rating was 146, which is phenomenal. Yeah, nigh on yeah, perfect. He only missed like eight passes the whole game. He missed eight passes. Wow. Yeah, I know. And it was a very, very embarrassing loss for the Redskins, actually. They looked really poor. Yeah, so they only racked up some points at in half time. They don't yeah. think they'd even scored, had they? It was all in the second half, I think. They pretty, pretty sure it was a field score. goal tops. It wasn't yeah, much it was at all in madness. the first half. So, yeah, yeah, Aaron Rodgers was on fire. No. I have a feeling it might be Marcus's winner, I'm not sure. Though. But yeah. Yeah, so uh, we'll give him a little bit of a drum roll. And Marcus, your offensive impact player. Right, I promise you we do not write this in the script, guys. But my winner is Aaron Rodgers, quarterback, <laughs> Green Bay. Why did I let Mike do his runner-up? I had no idea he'd picked him, I swear. But honestly, the way I saw him, is it was the way he picked apart the Redskins secondary. The way he, he tactfully did it. He passed the ball around to everyone. It wasn't just the fact that, you know, Randall Cobb had a good game. Or Jordy Nelson had a good game. You know, he was getting it to, you know, James Jones. Everyone was getting a piece of the action. You had Jermichael Finley getting in there. And the 480 yards, the, the, the four touchdowns, no interceptions, you know. It was it was a clinical display. And, you know, like, if, if you're a prospective sort of quarterback, watch his technique. Watch how he moves in the pockets. Because, honestly, that game, that was nigh on the perfect way to play the quarterback position. Someone may have said in their blog that he was somewhat surgical. Honestly, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not stealing this from you. That's, honestly, it's just that's how I saw it. it. It was honestly the best thing this week. I mean, we all know Aaron Rodgers has has got that sort of bravado about him that he can just have games like this, and he tends to have about three or four every year. Yeah, there was a couple of little stats in there that I think I saw that it said. It was the first time Green Bay had had a pass to throw for 480 yards and a rusher for 125 yards. First time in their history. Um, Stark, I mean, that was amazing how he came in for the injured uh, Eddie Lacy. And I was, I was fighting myself not to actually do this week a Green Bay 1-2. But um, I decided to give it to Martellus Bennett because I thought he needed the shout-out. Fair play. Martellus Bennett, the... <laughs> Award winner for week two, 2013, from... So, Mike, how about yourself? Uh, I gave the win to Deshaun Jackson. Ah, yeah, because he was phenomenal. I'm a receiver, so I appreciate it more. And with Aaron Rodgers, you kind of expect it. You've you've come to expect that he's going to throw a lot of yards and a lot of touchdowns. Yeah. But Deshaun Jackson's been quiet recently. And he received for 193 yards and had his touchdown. He had nine catches on the night and he was averaging 21.4 yards per catch. He did a lot in the return um, game as well, didn't he? Yeah, I think. he did, yeah. I, he's such an important player for the Eagles. And to See, quote Silver Linings playbook, Deshaun Jackson is the man. 
See, I'm surprised you put him in <laughs> nice. there because surely you would have been biased against him as he was in my fantasy team. Yeah, I know you you ruined me with him. Um, <laughs> but as a receiver, yeah, you you expect it from Aaron Rodgers, but. <laughs> Sorry, <Cameron. laughs> There's different podcasts about how him and Marcus ruined you. <laughs> it goes on after hours. It's like a Hollyoaks special, you know, the ones that goes on about eleven o'clock. <laughs> There's an episode uh, of Spitball where these things happen. God. Right. <laughs> Right, so now before it gets out of control, we're going to move on to our defensive impact player, a.k.a. Lewis Award. Let's start with uh, yourself. Runner-up, I gave to Brian Cushing. Uh, yeah, Texans linebacker. Yep, of the Texans. He's a very important player for them. Um, two sacks on the game and 11 tackles, so yeah, he had a pretty solid performance and a really close game very surprising for them as well yeah I know it's, um, plus he, he got me some good points against Marcus which I appreciate yeah so, good points against um, Marcus yeah and only one of us here knows what it's like to beat Marcus at fantasy football this year right well you weren't here last week I will win the title, <laughs> I will win the title back yeah you're doing your Aaron Rodgers discount double check title belt right now aren't you no no, brilliant, nice. Okay, so runner-up for yourself, Marcus, for the Mr. Ray Lewis Award. Right, I've given the runner-up to Robert Mathis, Indianapolis Colts this week. Ah, okay, yeah, interesting choice. Nice close game with Miami, so... Uh... It was really nice close game, and I'm, I'm really liking how the, the Colts are, are, are developing a sort of... I mean, you think, when you say Colts, you think Andrew Luck, and you think people like Richard Wayne. Um, but actually, if you look at the defense and look at sort of the weapons they've got, I mean, they still need um, they still got problems in the secondary. Um, they brought in Laurent Landry and such like that, so they've got you know they've tried to adjust it, but there's still it's still in the front seven which they make their their, their sort of bread and butter because people like Mathis are coming in. He took five five tackles, two sacks, and caused that forced fumble. Yeah, really throwing the game into sort of like a, a sort of the, the contest. It was the tight contest because you know. At points, you were sitting there watching the balance and the knife edge that it was sort of displayed on, so it made it really enjoyable. I tell you who's a key part of that front seven, Pat Angara. Yeah, I was going to say. Makes yeah. a lot of tackles and a lot of plays for that defence. He's always a great person to have in your fantasy team. We now move on to the winners of the prestigious Mr. Ray Lewis Award, who I may have met. Um, let's reverse it, Marcus. Well, you're going to like this one this week because my winner is Mr. Kiko Alonso, Buffalo Bills, middle linebacker. Small round of applause, slight cheer. Can't get too biased. <laughs> uh, I mean, come on, like you said, it was a brilliant game. It really encompassed what that defence has become and with 10 tackles he's got a sack he had a pass deflection an interception he was everywhere on that field I mean he really he took on the role and if you think about this guy being a rookie you know second round draft pick out of Oregon yeah uh, there it is Stephen Ridley (laughs) (laughs) it's it's one of those ones where you're sitting there going this is what the draft is built to do it's built to bring these guys in it's built to make these rookies you know some will bend some will break some won't be able to handle it others will take it on their mantle and they are going to play like there's no tomorrow and to be fair that is exactly what he did and that's why he wins it for me outright fair play and thanks for uh, 
Mr. Thanks Ray for Lewis Bills. Brown. Yeah, exactly. I'm putting in a Bills player there and it not being me for a change is, is very, very handy. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to come from me at any point. Okay, yeah, so let's yeah, move on. Mike, what do you have, or who do you have, sorry, as your Mr. Ray Lewis award winner? My winner is one of my favourite players in the league, actually. Uh, it's Richard Sherman. Ah, uh, yeah, cornerback for Phenomenal game. Anquan Bolden's debut for 49ers, 206 yards receiving or something. And then Sherman just marked him out of the game completely. Like, every play, he was spot on with his coverage. Obviously, he had the pick as well, which is a very good interception. It, you, you obviously watched the game. Uh, I didn't actually. You haven't no, seen it? Oh, not yet, okay. no, so I have to catch up on my highlights of, of that one. But it was one of the late Sunday night ones, wasn't it? Yeah. So I kind of had red zone on. And Bol- Bolden was getting frustrated. Like, after the ball, you see him kept just, like, pushing Sherman away. And, yeah, he was... Incredible. Oh, there, was a, there was a few crack blocks, you know, when the refs weren't looking, weren't there? Yes, yeah, there were, especially between those two. Did you see the hit on Wilson just the day? Oh, bit. what you mean after the the play read action? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, to be fair, Massive I completely hit. agree that's legal. It is I legal, yeah, because legal. he was effectively pretending to have the ball still. So yeah, yeah, but brutal. Actually, you say Sherman. I, I, I mentioned earlier about if, if you're a prospective quarterback, look at how Aaron Rodgers played this week. Any corners out there um, listening in, if you want to, try and get hold of some film on Sherman. Even going back to his college days, the guy's footwork, his his, his fight as well, his sort of, ah, oh, the word is eluding me, but his, his his push off the line of scrimmage and sort of holding those receivers down, it's, it's, he's so strong. Just his bump and run, basically. Bump, bump he and is, run, that's yeah, it. Yeah, he's phenomenal. And I love that it was against the Harbaugh as well, who's his college coach, and yeah. had nothing good to say about him at college either. So he really had something to prove in that game, and he really stepped up. Well, just one quick question as a yes or no answer. Is Sherman better than Patrick Peterson? Yes. Marcus? Yes. Better than yeah, Darrell yes. Revis at the peak of his career or wait, now? Wait, wait, what, yeah, at the peak of his two career. Years ago, Revis, or now Revis? Sherman needs to do it a bit more... A, he needs to go on a bit longer at this level to beat Revis, but I think he will if he keeps going. Marcus? Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, if you're going to mark the guy on two years ago, Revis, I mean, it's it, I'd have to give it to Revis where he is, but as, as the career progresses, I think that's how you tell a, a proper athlete. You can't give him just these two seasons to... He's on, he's on his way, but Revis of two years ago, I think that's the pinnacle of what a corner should be. Okay, so... We're going to finish off the awards bit there and move on by looking ahead to the week three matches and pick our... If it's okay, gents, I'm going to dive in headfirst on this one. There's a few games this coming week I'm really looking forward to, like the Thursday night game in particular with Andy Reid going back to the Eagles with the Chiefs. I think that's going to be a a real big game. And uh, hopefully I've got Friday off so I can actually stay up late and watch that one. It'll be really interesting to see how that one goes. But my is going to be the Vikes over the Browns. I think Peterson's going to have a field day. We're potentially talking racking up 200 yards. I know Cleveland have made some improvements, but I see the Vikes having a 70-30. What are our thoughts? No, I'd go for that. I think 70-30 is a good thing. They've got some things in place in Cleveland, but again, I fear that they're still far too trying to find themselves. They've got at least a good number, year or two, to try and develop this squad. Is Whedon the right choice? Are the receiving core good enough? And can that defence hold up solidly? They did very well. The defence did very well against Baltimore this week. Unfortunately, offence did not. They've not really got any proper clutch players on offence, uh, as it stands. No, I don't there, think there's so. There's no one that... Uh, all 
pretty much all teams have like F receiver or the running back or someone that's on there, but the, the None Browns of them have stepped them. up really. Yeah. The big playmakers uh, like Cribs and uh, and the likes they have. Yeah, really. they've, they've, never, Gordon, they've never got really their, stepped up. Just say. sort of there. Let's they've push got on Richardson the... there. They just need to progress forward and give him a line yeah. block for him. Well, true, but let's um, let's uh, push on from that and uh, we'll let uh, sunshine go for his. I'm looking forward to the Dolphins uh, hosting the Falcons. Yeah. Um, purely because I'm really enjoying the Dolphins at the moment. They're they're really impressing me. Do we think they're um, going to be able to stand up to uh, to Ryan and Julio Jones and Tony Gonzalez? I, 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 I expect them to beat the Falcons at home. That's why I'm interested in it. I think the really Dolphins, yeah, I, that's going to be your prediction this week. Is I think it? so. Yeah. The, the Dolphins' defense is doing really well, and Tannehill's impressing me. So that's your swing. What sort of swing are you giving it percentage-wise? I would probably go with 70 for 30 again. Yeah, a big Dolphins. swing in favour of the Dolphins. Yeah, that is, yeah. I, I, I genuinely think they're going to win. The Falcons, I don't know, I just never really... There was. There's just I something about them. I don't yeah. know. Marcus, you sound like you have something you want to say there. I mean, the problem with me is being that is if last week's team, Dolphins team, I think they would have, but they've picked up a lot of injuries this, this week playing Indianapolis. I mean, one important one will be someone like uh, Dimitri Patterson got pulled out with a groin injury and he'd be your, your main corner. I mean, you look at his week one was phenomenal and I actually I encompassed him to have a great week this week. Got pulled out first quarter with a, a, a reoccurring groin injury and he'd be your man marking Julio Jones. I think with a secondary sort of corner, sort of like a backup in place possibly there, I think Julio, if he doesn't get free, someone like Douglas is going to find it, you know, he's going to have a field day. No worries. So, uh, Let's finish off then with yourself, Marcus. What's your swing week? Now, I want to guarantee everyone who's listening, I am not being paid by Adri this week. Uh, there is no. no deal on the table here, but I'm actually going the Bills to beat the Jets in the Meadowlands. I swear this wasn't pre-planned, like genuinely. It was not <laughs> it pre-planned. Wasn't planned. I, honestly, I've, I'm so enamoured by the victory over the Panthers. The defence in place, uh, the, the manual has got hold of that offence. You've got likes of Spiller, who, who's running running on the, you know, I think, honestly, against a weakened Jets team as they are, I think this is going to be another great notch in the, in the Buffalo Bills bow, and this will actually help give them some kind of momentum, get them two and one, two wins on the trot. I think it'll be great for them. That's why I've, I've plugged this out. Again, I'm leaving it 70-30. I think it's not going to be like a, a run over them, but I think a nice 10-point cushion might be what we're seeing. Mike doesn't agree. Well, I, I think it's a bit too obvious, to be honest. The Bills are looking very impressive, and the Jets are the Jets still. And I think you could have probably gone a bit higher than 70-30 on the Bills' favour. I know that obviously they're away, but I, I can very easily see them winning that game. Nice. A lot, of, a lot of AFC East in this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very much so. Well, it's about time. <laughs> oh, dear. Thank you very much for your time this evening, gents. And that wraps it up from us football fans. As mentioned before, check out the blog if you haven't already at www.bullhawksnest.weebly.com. And until next time, take care and stay safe.